The financial services industry is growing. We're not just growing in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, but we're growing nationwide. From San Diego to Denver, Virginia to Florida, we are growing. But we're not just growing with anyone. We're growing with amazing people. People like teachers, first responders, construction workers, veterans, single moms, and even couples. People who believe in creating and building generational wealth and leaving a legacy. We are also working with people that are looking to work with a company who believes in them. We're looking for part-time people or full-time people, whether you just need a little bit of extra income or you're looking for a full career transition. My question for you then is, are you who we're looking for? Let us know. This is Dr. Tamia Guest with Rejuvenating Chiropractic. This is Nera Reed with Modified Nutrition Health Coach. This is Karen Marcel with June Street Barbershop. This is Tiffany Marcel with Marcel Luxury and you're listening to Boss Talk Radio. Finding your brand space in this ever-changing economy can be challenging to new and established businesses. Graphic Line Media can help launch your business's brand potential to unknown places with creative revisioning that relentlessly presses the competition. From graphic design, web, print, apparel, media, and social, we have something designed to grow your business. Don't hesitate. Rule your space. Visit GraphicLineMedia at GraphicLineMedia.com or join our Facebook page at GraphicLineMedia to get special discounts and offers. You know what time it is. We're about to do what we do and keep it hot in this thing. So as usual with this segment, try to get y'all a little bit uncomfortable. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, uh, this one is not going to be popular because it's going to make you check yourself. So um, today we're going to talk about self-preservation. And if you ever had a conversation with me where a question may come up about whether one should do this or do that, understand this one concept. Self-preservation is not selfishness. It's kind of like they're saying you can't help the poor if you're one of them. You know, there's a time where you really have to evaluate what is best for you and understand this. When you do what's best for you, you will always be doing what's best for everyone in the picture because in the long term, it puts you in position to continue to do for you. I read a post uh, earlier today where this uh, young woman, uh, black woman, um, was ready to go back to school, had some challenges, et cetera, 
um, as it related to past student loans or whatever. She was ready to get this next level degree. And at the same time, she was about to early vote and she found uh, something relative to deferment of student loans and things of that nature that uh, Trump's administration had put out there or whatever. And she read this thing closely and I can't speak that intelligently on it. So this is not to uh, get your draws in your booty about who to vote for. But for this particular individual, it made her, it gave her a moment of pause to say, hmm, maybe I want to consider voting for this individual because this is what he specifically done for me. Too often, you guys get into this groupthink type of thing, especially when it comes to things like uh, elections. I read a, well, one of the comments on the same young lady's uh, thread that said something to the effect of, um, if you ever vote Republican, you're crazy. And I thought to myself, well, the person that wrote that is crazy because on any given election, it should come down to the candidate and their policies, not the party. If you do party politics, you're setting yourself up for failure, regardless if you're Democrat or Republican. And, you know, uh, this young lady took some heat on her thread because of what she was saying. And the only point she was trying to drive home was vote your interest. I see some people saying, well, hey, um, I'm not voting. And they're taking a lot of heat. And it's funny because there are actually campaigns right now, uh, media campaigns aimed at shaming people into voting. And there's this monolithic thought process that really frustrates the hell out of me. And here's what it is. It says something to the effect of, well, too many uh, marched and died, et cetera, for my right to vote. Let me explain this to you. And this this is a touchy subject and it's going to piss a lot of you off. I don't give a damn. <laughs> but here's the reality. The right to do something is just that. You got a right to shut the hell up. It's up to you if you use it. <laughs> you, know? um, you have a right to your opinion. Saying that to say that a right in and of itself isn't an obligation. You see what I'm saying? Understand that somebody vote uh, uh, exercising and going through hell for you to have certain rights is one of those things where, well, first of all, right from the door, let's address why the rights just wasn't there naturally uh, with being human, you know? So some people went through hell for you to get these rights or whatever, and while that's to be appreciated, don't you think it's a little bit um, crazy to be irresponsible with that right? And when I say irresponsible, I'm not talking about to vote or not to vote. I mean to just cast away that right frivolously, meaning, you know, well, mm, they did all this for me to have this right, so I got to go and do it, but I don't like what anybody's talking about. I don't like what anybody's standing for or whatever. Do you realize that the Democrats take your vote for granted? 
this is not a Republican endorsement by any means. So get that out of your head, you know, open your ears, get your draws out your booty and process what I'm saying. They have done absolutely nothing. And what's interesting is uh, I can't think of the name of the song right off the top of my head. It's a Stevie Wonder song. I think it's called uh, You Haven't Done a Thing or whatever. And this is a song that addresses politics. And I want to say this song, this was interesting. This song was recorded way back in uh, 73, around the same time that Joe Biden went into uh, politics. And the song basically says that you make all of these promises, but you don't come through. We don't see you until it's time to cast our vote. You know, you say what you think we want to hear. And then we don't hear from you. Well, part of that is on us for not holding people accountable. Some people say, well, how do you hold them accountable? You know, there's I haven't in my adult life, I haven't come across a presidential election that wasn't, quote unquote, the most important election of our time. <laughs> That's crazy. You know, um, and so the people that say, well, hey, I'm not voting. They're taking a lot of heat. And here's what's really crazy about that. I don't know a black person that is actually going to vote that is saying uh, that is not saying, well, if you don't vote, that's a vote for Trump. And I hear this every election. They say, well, if you don't vote and it's basically always said as well, that's a vote for whatever crazy ass Republican is going uh, up for office at the time. And it's like, how do you justify that? You know, then there's this conversation about the lesser of two evils. How about see no evil, hear no evil? You know, I mean, when we talk about unity, why can't we have a united front on whether or not um, we're going to vote as a people in its entirety? and make people, make candidates at that point cater to our voices because then we have something to offer. We have uh, a unified agenda or whatever, you know. Black Republicans take a lot of heat. Not sure I understand why or whatever. I can, you know, I can see why uh, Black Trump supporters <laughs> would take some heat or whatever, especially after that comment on the, the last debate or whatever. But what's really interesting is that you guys are hot topic experts, meaning that, you know, every year, um, especially every uh, four years, you guys become political experts. Um, let's take a look at this year. This year we had everybody go from whatever it is their normal job is to instantly everybody became Tax experts, uh, uh, contagious disease experts. I couldn't think of the word right there at the moment or whatever. And political experts. And most of you barely got out of high school. Uh, you know, it's like, come on, what are we doing? You know, you don't have to belong to a group. You don't have to have group think if the group is going the opposite way. Um, our guest on the show today, Mr. Douglas, is 
he said something that resonated with me. And I think it's the point where we clicked immediately. We were talking about this thing called money. <laughs> and he said something, he said, you know, well, when I got to America, um, you know, I had this job and I saw everybody going this way. And I asked myself, well, if everybody's going this way, but there's only a handful of people that have achieved what I want to do or where I want to go, what's what's going on in their route? Maybe I want to go this way. So think about what groupthink has done for you. And I'm not against group economics or, uh, you know, uh, any group advancement, but self-preservation is not selfishness. Do what's in your best interest at all times and always keep it hot. Five minutes of fire, y'all. Boss Talk Radio, the number one online business and entrepreneurial talk show. Brought to you by Elite 8 Tax and Financial Services. Here's your host, the Texas tax expert, George Sandridge. taxes in the traditional sense that we've been doing for so many years. So we opted to go ahead and uh, take the advice from one of our friends that went ahead and referred us. And he, since he referred us, we said, you know, we decided let's go ahead and check uh, Elite Eight out and we're glad we did. We, they were extremely very thorough. So that's part of the, the excitement that we really enjoyed with Elite Eight. So some of the parts of the values that we really uh, enjoyed was that they were beyond the fact that they were trustworthy, very thorough, extremely responsive, and the fact that we could do things online just the same that we were able to do in the traditional sense. Get behind the shield. Welcome to the next segment of Boss Tax Tips. So today, um, let me first start with this. You guys have less than a week to have your taxes filed if you filed an extension at the appropriate time. Um, and we're going to talk about deadlines, extensions, and non-filers and what their means because there's a lot of misinformation or misconceptions uh, that exist that we really need to get cleared up so you guys don't pay these unnecessary uh, fines and fees and et cetera, penalties and everything. So let's start with part one. If you use a tax professional, whether it's a CPA, enrolled agent, et cetera, uh, doesn't matter. Understand this, especially for those of you in business or who have a business, the filing deadline is not the day to submit your information to your tax professional. 
if you want us to be effective for you and really work for you, the more time you give us, the more time we have to research opportunities for you to take advantage of the tax code and minimize your tax liability. So if your tax professional doesn't have everything they need as of really last week, Monday, uh, you're behind the curveball. You know, um, I had several people reach out to me yesterday. And here's the thing for the ones that were like new clients is like, cool, new business or whatever. You know, we can train them in the future before the existing clients that I've been like sending emails, letters, et cetera, for. And they just felt like, hey, I got time. It's not October 15th or whatever. Well, here's the thing. It's like, okay, you had more than enough time to even do it without an extension. Let's be honest. We had uh, till July 15th this year. So, you know, it's like, okay, if it's not a priority to you, then it can't be that big of a priority uh, to me because the way we have the circle of workflow, you know, we kind of schedule this thing. So please going forward, get your tax information in, into your tax professional's hands in time for them to be uh, effective for you. Next thing I want to talk about is extensions. Um, I need you guys to really, really get this because this is a big misconception and it ties into one of the reasons that people don't file at all. Um, so when you file an extension, understand that only extends the time to actually electronically file or mail in your actual return. It does not give you additional time to pay. Let me say that again. It only gives you additional time, six months, to actually file your return. Whatever you owe, if you owe, is due when you owe it. Now, if you cannot pay everything that you owe, please pay what you can and enter into an installment agreement. This eliminates the failure to file penalty. This eliminates uh, several other uh, possible penalties and minimize the interest. Understand that this is a daily compounding interest on whatever amount you owe. Now, if you're one of those people that owe a few hundred dollars, that's probably not a big deal. But if you're one of those people that owe 15, 20 grand, yeah, you want to make some things happen sooner than later. So then there's this other big misconception. Uh, I don't even know where this came from. Um, I first heard it maybe three years ago. An existing client said that, well, yeah, I'm not going to file because I'm going to owe, uh, so I don't want to file yet. Really? Let me make sure I understand. So... Before you even submit your documents to me and determine, you know, allow me to determine what is what, you assume that you owe money. And because you owe said money, you're not going to file as if somehow that means the Internal Revenue Service don't know that you owe. <laughs> 
That's hilarious. If you believe that you owe, that's even more of a reason to get your documents in even sooner. So one, your tax professional has the opportunity to work for you. And two, so you can know exactly what you owe as soon as possible so you can make a plan to start to pay what you owe. Now that ties back into what we talked about last week when we started talking about tax planning. Understand this, once you get into the year you're filing for the previous year, that is not the time to, and I, I get this every year, like, hey, George, I, I don't want to pay anything. Uh, well, uh, did we do a tax plan for you? No. Mm, so you didn't want to pay for tax planning, and now you want me to work a miracle when there's limited things you can do because you would have had to do it on the front end. Let's think, people. <laughs> Let's think. So, again, just to recap, one, allow your tax professionals to work for you. Two, extensions does not give you more time to pay. And three, not filing will cause you much more harm uh, than good. So, please file your taxes as soon as you possibly can, even if you're not available to pay or able to pay. This has been your boss tax tip. See you next week. Ready to begin your business? This is Dr. Tamiya Guess. Should you be an LLC or a C corporation? How do you track the cost of goods versus operating supplies? What are your depreciable assets? Are you structured to obtain business credit? Not sure? Get a boss. An individual business operations success suite from Elite 8 Tax and Financial Services will position your business for success and avoid the pitfalls of startups. From registering with your state, operating agreements, bookkeeping, tax filings, and more, Elite 8 Tax and Financial Services can be your growth partner at every level of your business. Schedule your needs assessment today at www.elite8financial.com slash boss or by phone at 469-412-0056. Welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. For some reason beyond my understanding, uh, we have a camera issue again, which is crazy because I've been using it all morning doing the different uh, pre-recorded segments of the show. But for some reason, when we go live, they put me on a bit of a blackout. I guess that's the whole uh, Facebook Live platform. But fortunately for us, we're recording uh, anyway. Our guest is in the building. Um, you'll be able to catch the playback on the uh, podcast version on any podcast player and as well as on YouTube and Talk Boss uh, Radio. So what we want to do is go ahead and get into the uh, boss term of the week uh, because that sets up pretty much the whole show. So here we go. Have you ever wanted to get into the tax industry, but didn't know where to begin? 
or maybe just wished you could turn your social media likes into hard cash. Now you can. Elite 8 Tax Pro Solutions has everything you need to start or grow your own tax business. We even have a referral program for those just looking to earn extra cash without having to learn the ins and outs of taxes. For as little as $99, you can unlock unlimited earning potential in the tax industry with the tools, support, and training of an industry leader. Visit ElitePTS.com today for more information. Welcome to the boss term of the week. So I hope what you guys are doing uh, each week is making some type of a ledger or recording this or making some sort of effort to uh, record terms to kind of educate yourself. So we're trying to elevate your financial literacy by uh, by doing this. And so this week uh, it was only fitting based on the topic of the show that we talked about generational wealth. Um, and that's going to be your term of the week, generational wealth. So question one is, what is generational wealth? Because we see a lot of uh, people online talking about generational wealth and, and in, in a way that is just disparaging, you know, um, not, it's not anything against any personal industry, but let's be clear. If you believe for a minute that your uh, MLM, network marketing, et cetera, is single-handedly going to afford you the opportunity to create generational wealth. If it's not a system you created, you're, you're absolutely delusional on that. So first things first, what is, the, uh, what is generational wealth? And it's defined as, simply put, it represents assets passed down from one generation to the next. Without saying, I mean, it goes without saying, people who inherit generational wealth have a significant financial advantage over those who do not. And we can make that evident in your own life. Um, if you're anywhere from your mid-30s, God forbid, earlier, uh, upwards of 40, and you have lost your parents, um, and the things that you've accumulated materialistically, you had to work, scratch, and grind for, I would ask you, how would your life have been different if you could have started off, you know, before or coming out of college with say $200,000, would that have altered the course of your life, uh, impacted some decisions that you made maybe? Um, now, when you consider that and reflect on that for a moment, because some people are probably saying, wow, yeah, I would have done some things different. Some people are thinking, well, 200,000 isn't any money or whatever, but probably was back when you were 18 or 22, but let's say that was a million dollars. Kind of changed the scope of things, right? So um, this is what we want to talk about when we say generational wealth, because most people right now um, in their mid to late 40s are experiencing that 
generational burden. What are you talking about, George? Well, your parents have gotten older and um, not a mark on them. You can't, you know, protect against what you don't know. But you're probably dealing with a situation where you have children either in or about to go to college or maybe even just coming out of college, uh, depending on the age that you had kids. And so you went through this period or you're going through this period where um, you're at the top of your earning potential, hopefully, and you're taking care of your parents who's gotten elderly, whether that be in the home or in a facility or even in their own home, um, it's taxing. It's it's costly. At the same time, you're trying to set your kids off on the best foot possible. So you're footing part of that bill for college and those expenses and what have you. The larger that family dynamic, the more of a burden uh, this can be. And you're so focused right there, it's hard for you to fathom creating generational wealth. So you're a homeowner and you're, you know, you're doing good, you're paying your bills, you have a couple cars and everything, uh, you're holding it all together, but to the extent that you couldn't afford a critical illness of your own because so many people were depending on you. But what if you could do something a little bit different? One of the illusions about generational wealth is that it takes this massive amount of money to achieve it. Um, and we're going to talk about that dynamic uh, today in the um, five minutes of fire segment. But progress is a process. So the first thing you have to do is get started. Part of getting started is determining what do you want for your future. And when I say your future, I'm not talking about yourself personally, which you'll achieve in this lifetime. I'm talking about for your kids, your grandkids, your grandkids, kids, uh, you know, down the line, how far do you want this to last? How far do you want it to go? How far do you want to be able to set up uh, for your kids? One of the biggest uh, circulating factors when we talk about wealth disparity in America, we almost can never discuss this without um, talking about race at the same time. Um, well, it's just a matter of fact, you know, it doesn't matter what uh, African Americans achieved in the late 1800s or uh, post-slavery, et cetera, because in the grand scheme of things, what they did not have because they did not know were those key elements that allowed us to build generational wealth. So when we look at, you know, um, race wealth disparity, well, one of the reasons you're going to find that that happens is like, for example, um, and I'll leave the industry out of it because it'll become apparent, but I had two clients in the exact same industry, right? That started a business at the exact same time. Um, and the dynamics in which this was able to happen was amazing because 
one of them had put themselves through school, had student loans, et cetera, um, and had to go and take a not great partnership um, in order to get themselves going and be able to develop, you know, uh, financials to take to a bank to get a loan to get their own. The other one simply called grandma and she reached in the trust and pulled out 50K, you know, and said, go after your dream. Wow. Think about that for a second right now. You're let's let's say you're one of those people who you went to school, you went to college or whatever. Uh, you thought you knew what you wanted to do. You invested heavily uh, yourself, your parents, your student loans, et cetera. You invested heavily in what you thought you wanted to do, only to find out that you didn't like it uh, after you got out or whatever, but you spent all of this money on it. So you stuck with it, and now you don't like your job. Imagine how your life would have been different if you were able to just have $50,000 at any one of those points where you figured out, hey, this isn't what I want to do. I want to turn this corner or what have you. So today we're going to talk about generational wealth. We have a friend of mine, Mr. Douglas Ezon uh, with us today. And he is the author of the book, Creating Generational Wealth. Pick this up. It is a great read, a lot of information, subtitle on there, what the wealthy know that you need to know. And we look forward to having him on. This has been George Dandridge Jr., your Texas tax expert with your boss term of the week. See you on the Douglas, welcome to the show, my brother. <laughs> How you doing, man? I'm doing great. So I'm having a, a technical difficulty that I haven't figured out yet for the second time. Uh, yeah. The camera just stopped working once I went live. It literally uh, stopped showing wow. me, but that's okay. I see you've been backstage anxiously uh, awaiting to share with our guests. Uh, we have a lot of people tuned in right now waiting to hear you drop the jewels and everything. Um, but, you know, first I want to give a little bit of background uh, to everybody uh, about, you know, how you and I met and everything uh, because I see a lot of, uh, combatancy going on on uh, social media and everything um, where people don't know how to disagree, but rather than even try to understand, they're just combating each other. And what right. you were, and I were able to do was both firmly disagree, but yet be wide open to the methodology of the other person. You know, you invited my thought process. I invited yours or whatever. And as a result, I actually was able to have a paradigm shift because <laughs> you showed me something that I didn't know. It's like I was aware of it, but you put it in terms that made it different for me because it was like, okay, yeah, I know this thing, and and for those of you tuning in, this was one of those uh, cash credit finance type of uh, discussions. If you followed me, um, you know I'm not a, a a huge fan of credit because I'm a large proponent of ownership. And Doug hit me with a line that blew my head open. He said, "Own nothing, 
control everything. I said, wow, wait a minute. Talk to me about this. And as a result, we've been able to develop a relationship. Uh, we uh, met here in uh, Dallas. Uh, we hung out a bit when I went out to the uh, DMV area or whatever and was able to deepen the discussions. And I couldn't wait to have you on the show today, my brother. Welcome to Boss Talk Radio. Yeah, thank you, man. I appreciate that. I appreciate that so much. Thank you. So, you know, one of the things I always talk about is I, I do not like excuses. Um, I don't like uh, the the stories of, oh, you know, my situation, you know, or this happened to me, woe is me. And I love your story because you said, damn the excuses. Give everybody your background, where you're from, how you got into this industry that you're a 20 year veteran in now. Yeah, man. Um Again, good afternoon, everyone. But I've been in I've I've been in the, in the financial service industry for going over twenty years. I started when I was twenty four years old. Um, I'm from West Africa, Nigeria, with just a high school diploma from Nigeria, no college degree or any of those things. Not because I didn't want to go to college. Of course, I wanted to, but I just needed to jump right in into the finance world. And when I say that, I mean. When I started, when I got into America, I needed to make some money. That was the bottom line. And I was waiting till where I help. And one day somebody gave me a business card and um, introduced me to the financial service industry. And when I went to the interview and saw all these people that were in that room that were making, you know, successful, I was like, man, I need, I need to really look into this business. And, um, and I asked the lady what I needed to do. And she said, well, you need to get your license. And I went ahead and um, got my financial service license, insurance license back then. But before that too, I mean, she asked me to give her a list of names of people that I needed to talk to, um, family members or your warm market. I didn't have that. So what I did was I started riding the Metro from one end of the Metro station to the other end getting people to fill out college education survey because every parent want to send their children to college. So that's how I got involved in the industry. And, um, and it's been great ride. And today, one of the things that we do is um, I didn't want to be like every financial advisor on the street talking about mutual funds, stocks, and real estate or, or annuities, basically. Let, let's talk about that. That's, that's basically the language. You know, do you want to invest in annuity? Do you want to invest in the stock market or mutual fund? You know, sounds good. Those are great. But I wanted to know what are the wealthy people doing? Because one thing I've always learned and as I continue to grow is when everybody's rushing, doing one thing, you need to see what the other folks on the other side are doing. That is different from what everyone else is doing. So that was the uh, big ticket for me. So, yeah, so that's my story right now. And so you've been uh, in the industry now 20 years. You have some very high net worth uh, clients um, in a diverse area of industries, including uh, oil uh, and what have you. Tell me, what do you believe was the greatest attribute to you becoming successful in that area when there are people who are born, raised, and educated right here in America and cannot seem to transcend that barrier? What was 
your uh, your personal um, drive that allowed you to to overcome those barriers? Well, hmm, that's interesting. Well, I see it as more of being hungry, right? Just hungry and want to be different. And and there's a lot of folks, of course, that that are, are successful as well, but. For me, it's more the drive, the persistency, the consistency, and just learning knowledge. Because I believe the more knowledge you have, the more money you're going to make. And solving people's problems, right? Finding a, a, a solution to a problem. So bringing that into the financial service world, I, I didn't want to be like your regular cookie cutter financial advisor that just talks to you about investing in real estate or life insurance or annuities or stocks or mutual funds or those things without really understanding what my clients are really looking for, which is this, you know, everybody I know want to minimize debt. They don't want to be in debt. Everybody I know want to minimize taxes. I've never found and met anyone that says they're so excited about paying taxes. I and mean, we saw how angry people are <laughs> today, you know, when we heard about how much taxes Trump paid. Everybody, the reason people are pissed off at that is because nobody's, everyone's like, why am I paying all this amount of tax? And um, and I've never met anyone that says, I want to be poor. I've never met a person that, that their goal, life goal is being poor. They want to be, everyone I know or I've talked to, or I've asked a question, want to be wealthy. So the question is, how do I get to that wealth? And on this, I, I decided to, you know what? I need to study wealthy families because if I want to be wealthy, I need to understand what wealthy people are doing. I didn't come from a wealthy family. My my dad was just a middle um, class um, Nigerian, you know, worked. He was a veteran. He, he was in the military, was a police officer. I mean, he he was a professional boxer. He did all that. And then he became a business person but still didn't accomplish as much as he wanted to. And he was also a giver. So understanding that coming to America and seeing families that acquire wealth, and when that person dies, he might not have built as much wealth, but he had enough. Maybe he might have been a middle-class American or a, a person that was just getting it going, a business owner. But as soon as he passes away, all of a sudden the family have, they have so much more wealth and they continue to grow it from generation to the next generation and it just goes on. And without paying as much in taxes, you know, cause most people don't realize there's something called estate tax or inheritance tax when somebody dies. So people don't, they don't even think about that. We think about today, just the income tax we're paying, but how about when you die, how much tax is going to pay then? And that's, uh, you, you hit a couple of the things that we're going to get into uh, today. And so you made the election and campaign to study wealth. Um, I, I want to touch on a couple points that you said, because it's key. You, you, you started with continuing to educate yourself. Right. You have clients that are very uh, high net worth owners, and yet um, in the short time that I'm, I've known you, I know of at least three conferences you went to that were in excess of three to $5,000 to attend because for all the stuff you know, you're still seeking 
uh, more knowledge. And we were talking about that. Um, I think I talk about that in the later segment of uh, Boss Motivation. But, um, you know, there's that thing where it's like no matter where you are, information is the new currency, you know, and people don't pursue that or whatever. But your study of wealth led to this amazing work of art in this book. Um, Tell us about that journey in completing the book. Yeah, the book um, was an exciting journey for me. I, I needed to, um, you know, put my knowledge out. And because I hear people talk about creating generational wealth. Everybody talks about, I want to create generational wealth. I want to build generational wealth. I want to do this. And you need to join this business to build generational wealth. You need to invest in real estate to build generational wealth. But in my studies of wealthy families, I realized, wait a minute, just because a person has business doesn't mean they're going to build generational wealth. Just because you own a bunch of properties don't mean you're going to create generational wealth. So what is the missing piece? So I decided to put some of those ideas in the book that I have on terms of what you need to do to properly set yourself up, one, so that if anything should ever happen to you, your children or wherever it is that you want to continue, you can control every, all your wealth from the grave. And making sure your children do what what it is that they're supposed to do. Instead of you leaving a bunch of wealth to your kids and they marry the wrong person and that person (laughs) comes in and takes everything, right? (laughs) You know? So uh, you got, like, I have a a bunch of girls, right? My daughters have girls and my, my brother's kids that I've adopted. And my son, he's in Canada, you know, he's older. But if a person is coming to marry my children, well, we're going to check them out correctly. But all my kids are going to be well protected because you can't come in and just steal from the family wealth, you know, because everybody, the family is a business. And one of the things you talked about earlier in your, in your segment when you were talking about family as a business, most people don't realize that they can do that and have their family as a business. And there's also some benefits to that which is something else that we teach as well. And that's one of the things uh, you and I were able to talk about in depth. And I don't think that uh, time would allow for us to get into that, uh, you know, really into that right now without a foundation being laid because there's so many terms people would have to already just know or whatever uh, to to enjoy that conversation. But um, the family business we're not talking about the the novel in the uh, TV series, y'all. There is a method and a means uh, to this. And so, Douglas, if you would, you know, like some people may be listening right now and they're saying, well, oh, okay, well, I got that covered. I have a will, you know. Um, oh, well, I'm not worried about, you know, somebody marrying into the family. I have a prenup or whatever. Um, and then they're shocked when they find out that the prenup didn't work or the will wasn't exactly what they intended. You know, it didn't play out the way they intended. Um, But you have another vehicle. Let's talk about that. (laughs) So, yeah. So, 
you know, a will for most people that don't know, and in my book, Creating Generational Will, we talk about the difference between a will and a trust, right? So a will is good. It allows you to at least put stuff in writing, make sure things go to the person you want them to go to. The only problem with a will is the fact that it could be contested and it's going to go through probate court and a judge has to make the decision for you. But when it comes to another paperwork called a trust, you know, a trust is a, the government says a trust is a living, breathing human being. It's a person. They identify a trust as a person and it could do everything a human being can do except talk. Now, the question is what type of trust? Because there's over 80 different types of trust in America. Actually, not just in America, all over the world, there's over 80 different types of trust. And trusts have been around for years, over 800 years in Europe, all over the uh, world. So it just depends on what the person is doing. So uh, when I sit down with a client and trying to figure out what's the right fit for them, what's the right trust for them, we need to understand everything that they have going on, their business, their, their world, what's happening, and what is their goal? What are they trying to accomplish? Then we could advise them and tell them which one makes sense for their situation, and then we align them with the right attorney that can make sure what they want. Because every attorney is not, they're not, just because attorney says he's an estate planning attorney and he does trust doesn't mean he understands the other 79 different types of trust that's available. But um, so we have different attorneys that we use that are very versed in that world, that understand that world, that, that know what it is. And, you know, they understand taxes as well. Because if you're looking, the most important thing is if I'm setting up anything, I need to make sure it's protected, my assets are protected, and I can minimize taxes legally so I don't have to worry about um, the government just taking my hard-earned money, my wealth, and just passing it on to somebody else without me having a say-so to it. So it's just what it is. So there's ways to make sure those things are protected. Right, and I think that's the part that people... Uh tend to overlook and one of the things that you drive home like chapter after chapter after chapter in the book uh not to give a, a bunch of it away but you drive home the point about seeking out professionals to assist in the process of creating uh generational wealth and not just by title uh, there's a lot of titles flying around and everything, uh, but you talk about, you even give what to ask to qualify a professional to determine that they can execute what you ultimately need to uh, to get done. And, you know, a lot of people have heard the term, well, trust fund baby or whatever, um, but not really understood what that was and felt like, oh, well, you come from money or whatever, and that's why you're a trust fund baby. When I saw these dynamics and realized that somebody making 80, 90,000 a year as a household could still very well set up uh, generational wealth, uh, my head almost exploded out of bounds. I'm like, why don't everybody know this? Why aren't we teaching this? in school or whatever and you didn't learn this in a formal education you learned this uh with foot to pavement talking to people that had wealth or whatever so let, let's talk about 
this thing with the professional circles, um, you know, as I find more and more success, one of the things that um, I'm noticing is that what my grandmother, my great grandmother said, uh, always said was true. Uh, birds of a feather flock together. <laughs> and, you know, I, I find myself, you know, as my bank account continues to increase, right. my circle decreases, but the quality of people in that circle um, are able to offer me so much information. And yep. so I'm always looking, I'm always approaching the table, like, how can I contribute? You know, that's that's my MO or whatever. And uh, because of that, you and I were able to have uh, some really, really great uh, conversations. Um, I'm taking so much away from you. If there was only two things you could that you would want everybody to know um, in their pursuit of in their pursuit of creating wealth or generational wealth, um, what would those be? <laughs> you know, I'm just laughing because I know we we <laughs> this is a, a Facebook show and stuff like that. I was gonna say something crazy, but I'll say it anyway, you know, because I'm crazy, I'll say it anyway. Don't date broke people. Don't don't date stay away from broke people. I mean, what I mean <laughs> for the guys, if you want to stay away from Find people that are not after your money, basically. I think we got you froze up there, Doug. Oh, yeah, you hear me? I'm good. You hear me now? Is it Let's better? Let's see if we can get Douglas reconnected there. His uh, his camera froze up there. So the word, uh, the first one was don't date broke people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I read a meme that said um, you are a culmination of the five people you spend the most time with. So if you spend time with five broke people, you're definitely going to be the sixth one. Um, now, for some of you, you may feel like that's being harsh, that's being judgmental, you know, and I always say, hey, everybody's got choices. They're not always good ones, but your whole purpose in today is to create better choices for right. tomorrow. So don't get mad at me. I'm just a messenger, but broke <laughs> is a choice. It is a choice. I mean, I remember <laughs> someone didn't date me when I was broke, so I don't. Right. I, <laughs> I didn't blame her, especially when she when I went to pick her up and she saw my car back then. She was like, mm -mm, "I'm not going." I'm like, "Oh, really?" So <laughs> that was a motivation for me to go get it. You know, go get that money. But uh, but yeah. So and the keys. OPM, other people's money. You know, you got to start thinking as a bank. You got to start looking at the financial institution because wealthy people use other people's money. The banks use other people's money. Every institution, even the government use other people's money. They don't use their money. They use other people's money. They're constantly having us pay taxes. And most of us don't realize we think we're just paying income tax on our federal and state tax. But how about the tax we pay on uh, when we buy food, when we buy grocery and all this other stuff that we pay out? Those are a lot of taxes that come out. So OPM is the key. And that's what I want and I teach. And that's how you and I met when we're talking about cash versus OPM, other people's money. So I have to tell this, this story a little bit more in depth because um, I have had conversations with other people that had the OPM uh, philosophy, except for they didn't know what you know. So the protection 
wasn't there. And that's why we couldn't agree. So uh, Douglas um, bought an exotic uh, sports car um, and he put a post out there and the post wasn't, you know, a lot of people may have took it as trying to brag or whatever the case may be, but I had been following him for a while. So I knew that wasn't the case. Um, it was one of those things to gain interest. Cause let's be honest, all of y'all like shiny stuff. Uh, y'all like shiny and new. And so he put this thing out there. Like he went through the whole process as he was doing it. It started with, you know, he was looking for it and then he bought it from overseas and then he, you know, showed it being tracked in the shipping and showed it coming off of the truck. Well, then he makes it known and this like blew me away. Not only did he buy it cash, but he had no intent on leaving his cash out there. But so here was what he was doing. He was making everybody think about this. Now, I was very familiar with, you know, the concept through insurance uh, of, quote unquote, being your own bank. What I didn't know that missing piece was how to protect that. So um, if you've been around me, you've been close to me, you know that uh, I drive a Range Rover. Uh, love it. Uh, big body and everything. You know, and I bought this thing cash uh, with no hesitation because I always have is I guess this is the Oprah complex. You know, I always felt like, hey, if, you know, something happens to me today or tomorrow where I don't die, but I can't earn. I don't want nobody to come and take nothing I have. So I'm going to go get this and can't nobody come and get it. So Douglas offered me something else, though. You know, and I'm not going to get too technical and give it away for y'all to find out. You got to go get the book, How to Build Generational Wealth with the Wealthy Know That You Need to Know. Uh, but what he did was he bought this thing and then he basically, for lack of better words, held an auction uh, to the different lenders about who was going to, you know, have the right to get his business through financing a car that he already had. You know, he didn't need him to do it, but it's like, okay, now his money, and this was the key. Now he had his money back that he could put out there to earn more money. He had this money to invest and do other things with or whatever, but more importantly, the time value of money. This money is earning money. And so when we had the conversation, I'm like, yeah, no, not going to do it. It's cash or whatever. And he, he broke this thing down to me like this. He said, well, this is how the banks mitigate their risk. You know, if you went to a person and you asked them for $150,000 or whatever, they're going to feel that, you know, and even if you're paying them whatever interest, it's like that's gone. They can't make money off of it. Well, a bank, on the other hand, they have thousands of people doing this. So, you know, it's a greater amount of money. It's insured. It's not at risk. Da, 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 da. And at the end of the day, it's only going to cost you. Y'all can't see me on camera, but it's going to cost you this little amount to get this big amount of money. And meanwhile, that same amount of money can be making much more for you when adequately placed or whatever. So, yeah, you're just paying. You know, you, yeah, it's going to cost you or whatever, but you're paying a small amount to participate in the game. I was like, huh. 
So that's a very different perspective. You know, talk to him about you know, uh, you know, this thing of how to. So it's all about leveraging, man. It's all about right. using using your money um, to work for you. See, what I always think about is me when I turn. 55 when i turn 65 when i turn 75 when i'm 85 years old i'm always thinking about me in the future so me in the future is making sure is begging me today to make the right decision today and me today understand that my dollar today is actually more valuable than my dollar in the future so what do i mean by that that means every dollar i earn today I need that dollar to grow for me. I don't need it sitting. I don't need to spend it because money is two things. Either you're spending money or you're saving money. So I need to be saving money, but then using the money as leverage to go make more money. So if I buy a car, like a, you know the car that you're talking about that I paid for that I bought, but I didn't use my money to do it because it's a depreciating vehicle. It doesn't make any sense for me to do that. But at the same time, I have great credit. So what did I do? I went to the financial institutions and I said, who, which of you is going to give me money? So I researched all of them and found the one that was willing to loan me the money. Now, not, a, not in my name, because I don't buy anything in my name, of course, but in my, one of my businesses name, you know, so they give the money to my business. So my business bought the car. Now, everything de depend now there's different type of businesses when you come into a private class with me then i'll teach you the business that i use that also allows that money that i'm paying to be a business expense for my business but well, that's we one limit, we want to limit that information <laughs> we want to uh, go ahead and go to uh the website to to get the deeper side of the game <laughs> or whatever but you know but yeah that's that thing so, on the surface <laughs> so the key was I bought the car, financed it. I always finance for the longest term. You know, in this case here, it was 92 months so that my monthly payment is lower. Now, you might say, that's a long time. Well, I don't care. It's a depreciating vehicle anyway. I don't care. I'm using the bank's money. The bank is giving me 92 months to pay them back. So I'm not in a hurry to pay the bank back. Yeah, I'm going to pay interest. But guess what? The same money that I was going to give that I'm giving to the, that would have paid cash. If I pay cash for it, I'm using that cash to go make me more money. You know, actually, in a matter of fact, I just bought a property that I paid cash for with the money that I could have bought that car with. That property I bought already has appreciation on it, and I'm getting money on that. See, the key is use your money to buy stuff that makes sense that you could go make more money now here's another thing i do when i do pay cash i start paying myself back so when i and when i say i pay cash this is what i mean by that i have life insurance cash value life insurance which is something that a lot of us don't have don't even understand and when you have it most people have like a small coverage because it they still don't understand it so when i bought the um, the property that I, I, I purchased and we have a, I have a bunch of them that I buy and what I do is I go get the money from my insurance policy, use it to buy the property and then I start paying the mortgage to the insurance company so the insurance company becomes my mortgage lender but here's the difference between me and you the difference is 
it doesn't show up on my credit report. Now, I don't need it to show up on my credit report anymore because now my credit report is over 800 score, right? So I'm good at that level. Now, before my credit got to 800, I used to, this is how I use insurance. I'll charge up a credit card. I'll give you an example of that. When I open up a private practice, a medical clinic for my um, ex-wife now, when I open up a clinic for her, I took $150,000 out of my life insurance policy, bought the clinic, paid for the clinic. But this is what I did throughout the time because we had to build the clinic, put everything in it. I'll charge my American Express credit card for all the stuff that I needed. And then I get all the points on the credit card. By the time the time comes to pay it, I'll take the cash out of my insurance policy, pay off American Express. Now I have points and I still acquired everything I needed. And my credit also rating goes up because I'm using my money correctly. But it's a whole different training on that. It's some stuff that you got to watch my videos on YouTube to understand more of it and, or, you know, set up a meeting and we could talk more. I tell people all the time, progress is a process. Yeah. You know, if there's two things I can accomplish right now, if I walk outside and pick up a rock, I can throw it in any direction and I'm guaranteed to hit either a real estate agent or a credit repair agent. And it's like, there's a whole other side of the game that they don't even know. So you touched on uh, life insurance or whatever, and I want to explore that just a little bit because um, it's taboo in our community. You know, um, there's so much we as people do not know about life insurance and the power of life insurance because the different types of insurance is what we don't know about. I mean, like, you know, I remember all the way back to when an insurance man would come, you know, knock on the door, you know, every other week and collect $2, you know, um, and that was just basically a burial policy or whatever. Um, there's so many different types of life insurance. And here's the catch 22. There's so many types of life insurance that you don't have to be dead to use, you know, right. um, and when used properly, it is such a powerful tool, both when you're alive and when you're dead, yet we don't have collectively enough of it or the right type, Right, you know, like some people hear me talk about this and they're like, Oh, well, I got a 50 grand uh, life insurance policy at work or whatever. I'm good. Or, oh, well, I had a policy back when I uh, turned 18 that I've been paying on. It's uh, worth $100,000 or whatever. It's fairly inexpensive. And they never consider updating the type of policy or adding more uh, coverage when their income gets greater. Can you speak a bit to uh, some of the types and the why to life insurance and how it changed your life? Um, because like, you just gave the example with the clinic um, and the car. Uh, so tell us a little bit about some of the different types of life insurance and why people need to get on game. Well, you know, there's two types. Basically, there's term insurance and then there's cash value life insurance. So 
now there's nothing wrong with either one it's all about what you st what stage are you at and what's going on with your situation so i'll give you all an example one thing i always talk about even in my book i kind of described it when you buy term insurance you need to buy enough term insurance and buy it with the same company you're going to buy a casual life insurance with and if you if, if your agent understands what he's doing he should be able to sell you a small casual life insurance at the same time that you bought the term and that way you could convert that term later but understanding where you put money casual life insurance is a garage it's a garage to park money that's the way i say it. that's the way i use it so when you think about your money you gotta think about it like a car you know when you buy a car what happens you park in you only have two places you could park your car either on the street or in a garage if he's on the street you can't sleep you know you'll be worried you'll be thinking who's gonna mess my car up vandalism or all that but if he's parked in a garage that you have a key to you lock your home garage the, you can't you don't even you don't even worry about that car being vandalized you are safe you're fine the car is safe it's okay same thing with your money what are the places that you're packing your money well if he's sitting in your savings account there's a lot of people that have money in different savings accounts with different banks some people have, have multiple bank accounts and they have money sitting there earning 0.1 percent interest rate that's like packing your car in a garage that the door doesn't work right so it's not it, you're not earning as much interest you're losing money remember what i talked about money needs to be working for you you cannot just sit around and do nothing second if somebody decides to put a, a lien on you like a creditor they want to go after all your money in your account they could go after it and 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 cash in on your money third the irs could put a tax even business on i mean you know um george you you you're a tax expert you, you work with folks on on your businesses most people we know right they they get in tax trouble what's the first thing the federal government do just because the government thinks you owe them money they do what they put a tax lien on your bank account and that bank manager that you've been going to every week and they know you they see that three hundred thousand four hundred thousand sitting in your bank account they're like oh i didn't know they they froze your account and now you're out here crying because the IRS just froze your money see they can't do that when it comes to casual life insurance and fourth you have money in your savings account your 401k your real estate properties because that's where you all are most people are packing their money in all these garages because real estate is a parking garage too well guess what you go through a divorce 50 50. they come after all that stuff and they go get it well guess what in some states life insurance they can't touch the money and if it's properly owned and when i say properly owned which means you don't own it because remember the key to world buildings own nothing control everything if the life insurance is properly owned you could go to divorce all day long they can't even come close to the policy that you have you know so most people don't understand the power and mostly financial advisors don't understand the power either because most financial advisors a lot of them are getting their knowledge from the media they what they get their news from fox or cnn or cbs or nbc that's where they get their financial education from and then they come and they share the knowledge with you so you need to start looking at situations where man is my money really safe you got to be able to have your money working for you 
and using it as leverage always remember when you go buy a house let's say we go into the house to the to buy this dream house that you want this three hundred thousand five hundred thousand dollar house that you want the first place you go to is your bank right you go to a loan officer and the first question they're going to ask you how much do you make a year you tell them the next question they they pull your credit they ask you your social security number and they pull your credit then what they do then they tell you oh you qualify for the house congratulations we're going to give you this check for five hundred thousand dollars as soon as you give you that check for five hundred thousand and you buy the house guess what happens the bank immediately switches the lane from your income, from your future income, straight to the house. The house becomes the collateral. Just in case you mess up and don't pay the mortgage, the bank don't want your house. Guess who they, they want to sell it? They want to sell it and get the money that you owe them. And guess who they sell it to? To an investor like myself that got cash waiting for the right opportunity to take advantage of that situation. You know, so those are the things. So you got to have your money in a vehicle that has liquidity that you can use for whatever you want. And you have full control of your money with no questions asked, no credit check, none of that stuff. And then the company, when you go borrow money from them, most of you don't even know this. People can use life insurance as collateral to borrow money from a bank. Most people don't know that. Then you could go to a bank, you walk into Bank of America today and say, hey, I want to borrow money. And they'll pledge your life. You could pledge your life insurance collateral. Look at your 1003 form, the form that you use when you're buying a house. They ask you on that form, do you have any cash value life insurance? And it's a part of the asset part of the, of the, of the form. And one last thing, when you look at banks, right? Banks will loan you money to buy real estate. You know, banks loan a lot of wealthy people money to buy life insurance. It's called premium finance. Check that out. You have to have at least $5 million of net worth to be able to qualify. So a lot of wealthy people don't have to even spend their money to pay for premium when it comes to the life insurance. But that's a different conversation. So just that quickly, um, Judge. <laughs> And, you know, that was one of those things where it's like, hey, we're just going to touch the tip of the iceberg on on this episode or whatever. You guys have to go and get the book, uh, Creating Generational Wealth, um, and also uh, follow Douglas on uh, YouTube. Um, he freely gives a lot of information, but there's a lot of information um, that you, you just like, you know, you paid to go to college or whatever. They didn't really teach you much, but how to finish a process. But, you know, this is education that you can invest in that will change your life. Uh, one of the terms that Doug uh, touched on, and we're not going to get too deep into it uh, for time's sake, um, but I want to make sure that you guys uh, have this term in your wheelhouse, not just owning life insurance, not just owning real estate, not just investing in uh, stocks, mutual funds, etc., but properly owned. That's the word for today, boys and girls, properly owned. Because in, when you do that, the purpose of that is protection. 
I mean, right now, if you were to get a windfall of money for, let's say, $10 million, if it's not properly owned as quick as you got it, you can lose it. You know, and I think that that is the biggest missing piece uh, when it comes to a wealth disparity is that, you know, a lot of us, we get out here, we grind, we do what we think we're supposed to do, what we know, what they teach us or whatever. And we start to accumulate things. Um, you know, I, don't, I forgot the actual stat, but most Americans are living above their means. It's the quote unquote American way to do so, <laughs> you know, but there's a proper way to do it, a proper way to use other people's money that protects yours as it comes in. Um, Douglas, anything you want to add to that conversation uh, when it comes to be uh, to properly owning? Yeah, because at the end of the day, you know, when you own stuff, you know, yourself, then you're subject to somebody coming after it and taking it from you. So, but if you have something else on it, like a trust and stuff like that, and like I said, there's over 80 different types of trust that you could use to benefit. So we could talk more about that. And if you want to get in touch and set up a meeting with me, you could go to build, buildwealthwithdouglas.com. Buildwealthwithdouglas.com. That's a good place to reach me and stuff like that. So I know, um, I don't know, George, you're still there. I guess the, you know, one of the thing I was going to also, add, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no that, uh, <laughs> I was trying to add that to it. I don't know if you heard me. So it was, uh, build wealth with Douglas.com, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. I wanted to add that, uh, to the screen. And I'm, I'm here at a, at a beautiful restaurant here in DC, Washington, DC for all my DMV people. Make sure you stop by here. You can see the, you know, it's a very, very nice album of It's called the Swahili Village. So come stop by, check it out, and enjoy some great dinners and lunches here as well. Great family that own the business. So make sure you're supported in DMV. Okay, when I get back out that way, I'm going to have to put that one on the list. I didn't get there last time. You held out on me. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? You were in and out. Yeah, I had to, uh, I, I touched what uh, man. I went through the whole area in about four days. I went from uh, from Philly to Baltimore, back all through that thing. DC, you know, had a great time. Uh, nice. Definitely enjoyed uh, dinner with you guys and everything. Um, you know, um, so any final thoughts you want to leave the the audience with? Um, if there was one thing you think could change most people's life, one thing you want them to know. What would that be? Hmm. Always remember, your future person is waiting on you to make the right decision today. Oh, we one more time for the people in the back. <laughs> your future person is waiting for you to make the right decision today. And with that said, we're going to go into the last segment of the show. Um, which is going to be the uh, boss motivation. This is the uh, piece that, you know, I find that um, what, Doug, uh, what Douglas just said is really, uh, really key. Um, and oh, I wanted to make sure I could find it there. Hold on a second. 
So, oh, here we go. Um, it's funny you mentioned that because I didn't plan on you talking, uh, saying, giving that uh, piece or what have you, but it definitely goes into, um, you know, it definitely goes into that segment. So we're going to go ahead and drop into that. Douglas, I want to thank you for uh, coming on and giving us your time. And everything. Thank you. And this is the part we're going to uh, leave everybody with. Of dollars to businesses in an effort to curb the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. The government will begin to pursue recouping these funds in 2021. Aggressive penalties will be imposed on companies that do not follow regulations and guidelines for proper use of these funds. Criminal charges are already being levied on fraudulent use. Don't suffer again. Get a customized business operations success suite from Elite 8 Tax and Financial Services for your company today. Boss packages include entity formation, payroll, accounting and bookkeeping, tax planning, tax filings, and quarterly strategy sessions to minimize your tax liability, increase efficiency, and maximize your profits. Make your appointment today at Elite8Financial.com. Get the guidance, tools, and protection your business needs now. Get boss. Get behind the shield. Well, let's get it going then. Welcome to another episode of Boss Motivation. Um, got a question for you. It's time to be honest with yourself. I don't know where you're at in life, what you're doing in life, what you want to do with life, but in the process, let's be honest with yourself. So let's start with this. What have you read this week or this month? This year, Facebook posts don't count. <laughs> was any of that relative to anything that you read? If you read anything at all, was any of it, any of it relative to your specific trade or business um, that would give you new insight, new knowledge? One motivational speaker, uh, who was that? I want to say Les Brown. He says what you're committed to will show up in your life. There's some people out here with some amazing bodies because they've committed to a lifestyle of working out, of eating right. And there's levels to this. There's some people that like, they just look good because they, they work out, they keep it pretty tight, you know? And then there's that next level where they just cut up and ripped and you can wash clothes on their stomach and everything because everything about their lifestyle is committed to the their physical health or whatever. But on this segment, what we want to talk about is what you're taking in because what you ingest or what you take in will be the output. I believe it was 1986, <laughs> my first computer class I was sitting in. Mr. D, 
this computer's stupid. It's like the computer does whatever the user tell him to do. <laughs> it's like, did he just like, wait, call me stupid? <laughs> well, lesson one was the input equates to the output. So the question is, what are you what are you putting in? Um, are you doing something like in, in a conversation? You may say, hey, I want this. I want that. I want this lifestyle. I want to attain this level of wealth. I want to be this. I want to uh, earn that or whatever, you know, but does your actions align with your words? Not for the next person that you're trying to make it sound good to. Do they align with your words for you? Are you lying to yourself? I think that um, I know Facebook does. I don't know if the other social media platforms does, but you can track your activity online, like how much you're logged in or or active uh, online. And what if you could track how much you watch TV and things of that nature? What's amazing about this thing called 2020 is for the first time, anybody that had the excuse of not having enough time to do whatever it is they wanted to do, especially if that thing was going back to school or starting a new business or things of that nature, 2020 eliminated that excuse. You had more time this year than ever before because you were forced to stay home. Now, I'm not talking about the essential workers who uh, never really got a break or whatever. We're talking about the the, the average uh, everyday one of us. You know, you have more time than ever. What did you do with it? Did you take like an extended couch vacation? Like, hey, I got time off and waste a month doing that. Then waste a month getting kept caught up on Netflix. Then waste another month whining about whether or not you could get out. And even if you did all of that, guess what? You had three months after that, too. You know, so when the unemployment dried up and the and the uh, the uh, stimulus checks stopped stimulating, <laughs> what had you accomplished in that time frame? What thing did you do to increase your value when and if your job comes back? What did you do to increase your knowledge? Uh, for whatever that thing is you want to do? Did you look into how you could get started in it? You know, um, a less expensive way to get started in it. It's an amazing thing, but it is so easy to find a reason not to do anything. Cost too much, I don't have it. Oh, I want it to look like this and that and the other. Some of you have these delusions of grandeur and these delusions of perfection, and you're waiting for that perfect time to have that perfect thing executed perfectly to represent yourself. And um, I forget the guy's name right at the moment, but he said this line, start where you are. That is powerful because it's, it's an automatic force of nature that when you go towards anything, it starts to come towards you as well. So when you start to take any steps, you will see the results start to come back to you. And the harder you push and the harder you run, the more that thing just opens up for you. But you have to ask yourself, what are you putting in? Because if all you're putting in is trash, nothing against you know the reality TV segments and things of that nature. 
um, if you're into that. But how much of it are you watching versus, say, I don't know, documentaries, um, history? You know, the thing about history, you don't learn it. You're doing to repeat it. Um, you know, how, how, what are you doing to turn that corner, you know, to change that thing for you? Maybe you uh, want to write a book. You know, I'll use myself, for example, I'll throw myself on the hot stones. I started on a book in 2017, accomplished a good bit of it in all of about a month and a half. Life happened, got sidetracked. I made a goal to uh, have that book out uh, by the end of this year. Probably not going to happen. I'm not finished. I haven't really even picked it up this year, you know, um, made some investments into it, but some other things, you know, went better for me and I put the attention there, but there's no one, no thing that I can blame for my goal not being achieved because I didn't make it a priority, you know, so I can't make an excuse. I don't ingest excuses, so I can't put out excuses. When you offer me an excuse as to why you didn't do something or whatever, you know, my kids catch this the worst. Oh, they get the blues with it, you know, because no matter what they ask for or say they want to do, they hear those three words. What's the plan? Because the plan tells me whether or not it's a legitimate thing, you know, or if it was just a flying thought. So they actually have been trained to come to me with an actual plan. You know, now I have something I can hold them accountable to if they start to deviate, fall short or whatever, you know, something to challenge them on. So, again, for you, the question uh, remains, what are you ingesting and know that whatever that is, that's what you're going to be putting out. This has been George Dandridge on Boss Motivation. See you guys next week. <laughs>